Hello and welcome to another episode of the Coach Cahill Show. This is a little bit different today. I have the audio file from an episode I did as a guest on Coach Dan Lundy's show, Fourth Down Focus, where we discussed recruiting, coaching philosophy, and the current state of the college football process today. I hope you enjoy it, and I highly encourage you to go give Coach Lundy a follow. He'll tell you how to do that in the podcast episode. Enjoy. All right, just hit record for sure. All right, here we go. Hello, and welcome back to Fourth Down Focus, brought to you by the Believe Podcast Network. I am Dan Lundy, host of the podcast and founder of Fourth Down University, a company focused on the training and development of specialists and coaches at all levels of football. Today's show is brought to you by Bet Online, the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Bet Online has you covered for all the news, scores, and odds. It's the best way to place your bets, and it's free to sign up. Head to the website betonline.ag or using your mobile device. You can sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. Episode 30 of the podcast welcomes Coach Brendan Cahill. For the past six years, Coach Cahill has helped parents, players, and coaches make sense of the recruiting, training, and development of specialists. Cahill was a specialist at Hartwick College from 2009 to 2011, before going on to earn his master's in education from Boston University. With over a decade of secondary teaching experience, Cahill founded Cahill Kicking and began to utilize both his teaching and coaching backgrounds to support his athletes. Because of this, Cahill Kicking students have gone on to play at college football for Notre Dame, Iowa State, Vanderbilt, UConn, Yale, Harvard, Columbia, Central Connecticut, and New Hampshire. Cahill also hosts a podcast, The Coach Cahill Show, that features world-class athletes and coaches who have helped others and themselves get out of their own way and move the needle on their performance. Coach, it's been a pleasure to have you on so far on the pre-recording, and I cannot wait to have you on the show. How are you doing today? I'm great. Like you, just uh, enjoying a quiet minute here. We got our uh, our nine-month-old down, and uh, yeah, I'm excited. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, it's been a pleasure. You know, we have a lot of like just things in common. Uh, I think what drew me to you at first was the things you talk about off the football field. I mean, obviously, the the algorithm suggested we be friends on all these social media platforms because we're, you know, we're really into kicking and that's a niche. But I like that you you look at the whole thing. You look at the big picture and say that, you know, this this person has to go on and make a big transition to college and not only be successful and, you know, splitting the uprights or getting that net punt or whatever on the uh, standard is on long snapping these days. But in short, I, I like, I like that you talk about the importance of academics, um, the way you see things. Uh, I think that's what drew my interest to you most recently was talking about mindset because I'm really getting into the importance of the way you perceive everything. It's not just the big things. It's, it's the little things too. So um, with that being said, I want to talk to you first about high school specialists and their aspirations. Uh, most of these high school specialists that you and I deal with, they, they want to play college football. Um, and I, I love the tweet that you shared the other day about time management and not only that, but managing the little things, the big things. So you listed some that I, that, that I thought, you know, I couldn't agree with more that these kids, they have to manage grades. They have to manage tests, uh, getting their film ready you know quarterly if they're in season have a half season end of season highlight a collective highlight over the last two years rankings college camps junior days dms emails phone calls 
relationships, relationships with coaches, uh, recruiting services. I could go on, but um, what is your advice on the prioritization, uh, putting first things first, especially with specialists? Yeah, I mean, it's very, I mean, as a high school teacher for about a decade, I mean, I can tell you, kids definitely are more stressed out um, the longer I've taught. Um, college is like the the ultimate goal. And there's a, a quote I heard, uh, you know, college is the God of the American childhood. I mean, a lot of high schools doesn't matter if it's like, a, you know, prep school or, uh, you know, public high school, everything is kind of geared toward college, whether or not you're a student athlete. Um, and I think it's really easy to lose sight of the fact that like, it's never been easy to be a young person. I think every current generation's job is to like make fun of, you know, the younger generation for how all these kids are different, their music's different, but it's really easy to forget how tough it is to be a kid. Um, And then you compound things with like coronavirus and, you know, you throw in trying to play college football and it can really be a uh, a stressful uh, pressure cooker. Um, So I think the first thing is you want football to be fun. I'm sure you've encountered kids that, you know, they're very talented, they're very driven, but like, you know, they're not smiling when they hit a good kick. They're not, uh, you know, they're, they're not, you know, taking a moment to enjoy the car ride down to a camp or a college camp with their mom or their dad or, you know, their grandparent or whoever. Um, I mean, that should always be your first goal. Like when you're out there, you want to try to enjoy it because there's no 90 year olds that are still kicking, um, (laughs) that, (laughs) you know, and, uh, at some point the clock's going to hit four zeros. And when it does, like, you're not really going to remember the offers or anything like that. You're going to remember how the ball felt off your foot, hanging out with your buddies and, um, you know, all the time you spent on your team in high school and, and college. So that would be the first goal. I mean, you, you got to find some way to, to find fun. In it. Um, because if you're trying to play college, if you're going to college just to play college football, don't go. Um, statistically, like, while it's nice to think that, you could be in the NFL or you want to play pro or something. Uh, and like, certainly I don't want to dissuade any kids from pursuing that. Uh, you know, odds are the NFL is not knocking on anybody's doors. You and I both know plenty of very talented NFL free agents. who could kick with the best move on Sundays who are, it's a grind. It's really, really hard. So I always tell the parents and the, the young guys that, and girls that I work with, you know, make sure you're at a place that like you're actually going to enjoy um, it's really easy to get enamored with the free gear, the free cleats, the cool logos, the edits, the hype machine. Uh, that is, <laughs> that is Twitter today. You know, Twitter's basically where all college football recruiting happens. Um, but you know, you, you want to be at a place that you're going to enjoy because you could tear your ACL tomorrow and never be able to quite kick the same. Um, so that would be the two things I would, I would, it's not really one, I would say, you know, two, you want to try to have fun with it despite all this craziness going on. And then, you know, secondly, um, make sure you're choosing a place that it makes sense for both what you want and what your parents want. Um, typically speaking, Americans are really uncomfortable with talking about candidly about finances with their kids. And it's because you don't want to put a price tag or a price limit or a price ceiling on your kid's potential. Potential is priceless and colleges know that. And so that's why you're going to get people who will pay out of pocket and, you know, mortgage their house three times over to try to cut tuition for an Ivy league school or like a really famous brand name school. Um, 
but at the same time, that's not realistic for most families. You know, most families are not going to be able to afford out of pocket. And that kind of gets compounded with the fact that a lot of specialists, especially with what's going on with Corona and recruiting, they're looking at academic money only, at least at first in a preferred walk-on type situation. So um, I would say, yeah, so I just kind of rambled there, but I think maybe three, I went from one to two to three, but the, the three things you want to try to find. The second thing is find a place that you're really going to enjoy. But the third little bullet point there is make sure it's a place that like makes sense that you've candidly talked with your parents about. Um, because I'm sure you've had that experience with a client or a family where at the 11th hour, so, you know, we're thinking Johnny's going to go to this particular school and then the financial award letter is nothing what they thought the family thought it was going to be like and now it's not an option anymore um does that kind of make sense no absolutely i think my biggest takeaway because it's eye-opening what you said about when you see kids kicking and in your opinion it was wow that was well executed you know you had 42 left hash and some crosswind and he hit it well kept his technique kept his form kept his composure like that's to be commended. Like that should be, especially if it was a live operation. Um, and I think some kids, the reaction is is almost it's almost never a smile. It's almost like a I'm a relieved. I I'm relieved I didn't miss that because I know the guy next to me is going to make it. And I don't think that's fun. And I think it's important what you said that if it's not fun, there's going to become a point where you're going to realize really quickly that this this turns into a business. And I think those that can find ways to make it fun through that. Um, are the ones that thrive, especially all the way to the last level, which is Sunday. But I also think like what you said is very true that if in fact you're not having fun on the high school level, um, it's going to be very difficult um, when you make that transition, if you're lucky enough to get to the college sure. level. Um, so I, I really like what you said. Um, and I, I, I tuned into your podcast a little bit. I, you know, I just started kind of following you a little more and I love, love, love your theme. And, and basically your mantra is getting out of your own way, quote unquote. Uh, many of us, including myself, um, human beings in general, we, we struggle uh, uh, periodically and some people more often than not with a negative mindset. They look at things, uh, you know, half empty or however you want to say it. But I was, I was getting my haircut today and the, the lady was just so incredibly positive about everything. She dropped something right when I got there, but, but everything that her response to every little thing that didn't go perfect was very positive. And she was very forthcoming with like, you know, Hey, like, sorry, if I'm being overly positive today, it's just like, I find my, I find my best self when I respond like this. And I was just like, geez, what a lesson, you know? So uh, yeah. I, I'm hearing it more and more. I think people are starting to see the importance of just how we see things because we do have the power over that. Could you share a little more about this and the purpose of making it a theme of your show? Yeah, I think I struggled an incredible amount in high school and college with self-sabotage. You know, I did, I did all the camps. I did all the training. I saw coaches had great coaches um, who, you know, taught me great technique and, um, but I was a, I was a classic practice hero. I would, could crush balls on the sideline and, and look like I was some kicking wizard who, you know, should be playing up a division or something like, but then as soon as I would go into practice and I, you know, I would feel my coach's shadow over me, I just couldn't hit the ball straight. And it, it wasn't until I came across, um, 
it wasn't until I came across uh, Bob Rotella's book, Golf's Not a Game of Perfect, that I like, it like kind of finally clicked. And, and Rotella's whole thing, if you get a chance to read his book, you know, really his, his whole concept is uh, most golfers are already really great. They just need to get out of their own way. And I think when we look at specialists, you know, people in general, we all struggle with self-sabotage. You're trying to lose weight, but you eat the chocolate candy bar. Um, you work really hard to be a great kicker or a great athlete, but then like you choke in a bad moment. It, it's human. And I think the, there's the two cardinal rules that I took away from Rotella's work and what I try to reiterate to the, the families that I'm lucky enough to work with are, um, you know, you have to accept what happens on the field. Um, the, the problem with perfection as a kicker is the, that if you make a kick, you don't enjoy it because you expect it to make it anyway. And then if you don't make it, then you get super ticked off because your whole identity is wrapped up in what the ball does off of your foot. If you're a kicker, or you know, what the, what the golf ball does, if you're a golfer, um, I think just accepting like, wow, like I shanked the punt, like that, but the world kept turning, like gravity didn't turn off because I shanked the punt you know, no world war three happened because of it. Um, so that's the first part. You have to understand that like, you're a person, football is a game played by people. Therefore it's a game of mistakes. And at some point, like you're going to shank, you're going to mess up. And then the second thing would be learning how to trust the form that you've already built. Um, a lot of golfers uh, who struggle on the PGA tour, Bob Rotella found, really spent a ton of time on their mechanics, which, you know, I'm not going to fault mechanics. I think you need to hit a baseline level of proficiency in your technique in any sport um, to be able to actually play the sport. But there's a clear difference between when you're practicing a layup in practice versus when there's four seconds left on the game clock and you just need to go make the basket. You can't think and play well at the same time in sports, but as specialists or as golfers or as tennis players, you don't, the speed of the game does not move faster than your ability to think about it. So we have to manufacture our own kind of, you know, flow state or, you know, little pre-kick ritual to get our mind in the right space. And so um, to kind of trigger that trusting process, it, Bob Rotella says you need a pre-shot routine. So like, I think a good simple one to start off with is, you know, look at the ball, sorry, look at the target look at the holder, look at the ball and just go. The hardest thing in the world to do as a kicker is to just kick and see what happens. Um, uh, almost any swing will work if you swing it aggressively and with confidence. Um, and like, you've probably seen it too, where you have two kickers of equal ability. One has great mechanics, but is afraid to miss. Another has poor mechanics, but swings aggressively and believes you're going to make it. And the kid with the poor mechanics usually outperforms the kid with the uh, better ones. So again, the, the, the two things I took away from Bob Rotella was you have to accept that at some point you're going to miss and like, you can't let it blow your mind. Um, and the second thing is you need to spend at least as much time in training, practicing your full speed, like game type kicks where you're not thinking about anything um, to trust the form that you've built. Yeah. And, you know, in 19 years doing this, uh, initially it was a little, you know, it was a part-time deal, but I, I, I fell in love with coaching just like, 
I, you know, I get passionate about sure. other things too, but uh, I, I think what I love most about coaching is it's, it's always something I can take in, take away from somebody um, who's had that experience, if you will. And I think that what you said really, really is, is true about um, initially I was all about technique. I, I, as long as you mastered that, you know, you could, you know, you could close out, tune out everything else, but um, I've really embraced the, the, the pre-snap routine with, with kickers, especially in the field goal operation, breathing patterns. And, you know, mm-hmm. I, drew, I, I draw parallels to like a free throw uh, shot, you know, just like golf, but Patrick Ewing went to a guy for the very same things you're talking about, like have like a routine. When are you bending your legs? How many times are you going to bounce this ball? Are you going to have a backspin on it every time? You know, uh, when are you going to look up? Uh, when are you going to exhale? When are you going to lift the elbows? That kind of thing. He micromanaged his process in the offseason. He went up 13% from his rookie year to his second year. And it's just something I always reference because the importance of like embracing that. And I think it then becomes easier that if and when, because we all will fail, um, if you're in a good place and you know that "Mm, I have control here, it just happens. I just missed that one. I think you're, you're, you're able to respond um, with, with something that's not like, you know, self-sabotage. Sure. Uh, I, my best kids that I have, and like you said, that stand out, it, it really does make sense because this kid, Evan, he's, you know, he's an exceptional punter out of St. Augustine. He will snap his fingers sometimes. And, you know, and I, I finally asked one day, Evan, like, why are you always do it? Cause he does, he, it's when he's frustrated, you know, that's how he kind of, Hey man, it's okay. You know, it's mm-hmm. just a little click, you know, and it's not like a look at me. I'm I'm a mental midget. I'm, I'm emotionally unstable because college coaches, if they see a kid whining and screaming at himself, um, that's not good. Sure. Um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think, and that's, and if you look at your, you know, your best performers, um, they never have a bad day because they missed a kick. Like you've been around NFL guys. I've been around NFL guys and they're going to miss kicks in training sessions, but it's not like they let it blow their mind for the rest of the day. Yeah. And a lot of, and it's not just football. I think young people in general, it's really, you know, you don't know who you are. You don't have like, a, and I think a lot of people struggle with their identity, even as adults, but it's, it's really apparent when you're a young person. So you're looking for things to like invest part of your self-worth into for some kids, it's clubs, it's music, it's uh, you know, it's sports. And so, well, we don't want to like fall kids for falling in love with the sport. I mean, you get a lot of joy out of it. There's a really razor thin, a kind of blurry line between, you know, falling in love with the sport and then putting too much of your self-worth into it. You know, I I think if football is the only thing you're into and you have a bad day with football and then you just go home and have nothing else to distract you, then you're going to, it's really easy to get inside your head. But if you're doing multiple sports, if you're doing, if you got, you know, clubs, activities, you know, you're doing community service, you're spending time with your family, like actually being present with your family without your phone out. Um, it, it's going to, you're going to kind of fortify yourself a little bit more from getting stuck inside your own head. And that's why, and I'm sure, you know, you've encountered this too. Your best specialists are going to be your best athletes and the best athletes play a lot of sports. They do a lot of clubs. Um, uh, that's why I, I really strongly discourage kids from just going all in on kicking. Um, you just have to have something outside of kicking to recharge you and, and football, because at some point football is going to let you down and then you need that other thing to build you back up. 
or that other thing's going to let you down and then football builds you back up. But you don't want to invest all your, your self-worth into one activity, especially as a young person. I couldn't agree more. Uh, specialization. It really does. It, it, it limits you, you know, simply put it, then we had a whole show about that, but yeah, I could not agree. And I think it's so much easier for you and I uh, to, to talk about a soccer reference or, basketball uh golf is a, is a huge one for me too i replace the hands with the feet essentially and we can talk mm-hmm. about golf it's fun pitchers i'm trying to you know I, I wasn't a good pitcher i played little league but we're also finding parallels with like you know um how, how far you exert that last step that drive step and like uh it's it's fun it's fascinating um so i have one more question we got a break for a for a little commercial but i wanted to ask you about drawing interest from schools. I, I talk to my specialists and tell them all the time to try to be unique, try to find ways to stand out, uh, wear bright colors. If you go to these camps and maybe some bright yellow shorts or some cool cleats, um, obviously act the part, look the part. Mm-hmm. Um, can you share effective ways that you have told your specialists that may get attention to college coaches? Um, perhaps some things also to avoid when we're talking about like Twitter. Um, <laughs> Oh man, where do I start? (laughs) Um, Yeah, I mean, Twitter has become the de facto recruiting app for the NCAA. I think it's because it's really the only social media app that the NCAA provides any guidance on for coaches. Um, You got to treat your Twitter account like it's your LinkedIn account, you know, for an adult. It's your living football resume. I mean, if you shouldn't be, you know, if you want to post about how the earth is flat or conspiracy theories or, or whatever, or like stuff you joke around with your buddies, you know, keep that on a Snapchat where nobody's going to see it. Um, I, you, you have to have a clear, you know, uh, Twitter presence. You, you want to make the coach's life as easy as possible. I mean, every day, um, and you've, you've talked to coaches, I'm sure, like the average coach's Twitter DM inbox and their iMessage inbox, their voicemail, their email they might have almost a thousand unread messages. And, and that's like talking to division two coaches. Uh, I don't even want to fathom what the, the FBS guys are looking at, but there's like a 10 to 15 second slot every day in a coach's like headspace where they might be able to consider, uh, you know, a specialist tape or something like that. And when the coach kind of turns their attention to that, you want to make their life as easy as possible. So like, so like we're talking like coaches review tape when they're on a bathroom break or they're on a coffee break and they're standing around for 30 seconds in between meetings. Like that's how simple you have to make your own recruiting. If a coach has to go off Twitter to find your highlights or, you know, if they have to sit through a huddle ad, it's going to be really tough uh, for them to look through your stuff, at least initially. So you want to be really clear, like full name, you know, don't have like, you know, your buddy's nickname on your Twitter account, full name, graduation year, um, you know, contact information, uh, email address, SAT scores, GPA, you know, having your highlights pinned and then having some recent, uh, tapes. I mean, that's all going to help you. I think the, to kind of back up a second, I think a lot of the recruiting information and services out there, they're all marketed to families as some magical wand, silver bullet, you know, come to this camp. And if you win, Nick Saban will give you a full ride, you know, one camp and done. Um, and like, it just doesn't happen that way. Um, I think all the like camps, individual training, weightlifting, you know, tutoring, whatever, these are all tools 
that can help you play in college, but no single one of them is the like ultimate tool that's going to work for you. Um, so I look at it as let's keep stacking these various things on the table until it eventually tilts in our favor. And while we can't do things that will guarantee luck or timing, we can certainly do things that will make us more attractive to luck. So having your Twitter profile set, getting great grades, um, working hard in the weight room, um, going to a couple ranking camps, if that's your thing, working with the right regional coach who has a connection to the program you're looking to play all these things kind of stack together. And eventually, um, you know, obviously you'll be reaching out to coaches on your own, trying to send out messages and being proactive, but, you know, you stack all these things together and now you have the floor tilted slightly in your favor. I think a lot of what really frustrates a lot of families is that, you know, it is the role of luck in recruiting and timing. It, it plays a huge role. Um, and it's really, but we don't want to hear about that or we don't want to discuss the role of luck um, in something like recruiting because football has this, I guess, you know, uh, but there's like this value in football of working hard and good things will happen. And that's very true. Um, but you, you also can't always exactly time everything up. Um, so I, I look at it as like, you know, there's coaches out and I used to do this all the time. Cause I was like an idiot when I was a younger coach, but I would be like, I would like bash ranking camps and whatever. And, and now I'm just kind of like old and lazy, but I, I, th- I take a little bit more of a holistic approach. Like no single coach, no single camp, no single one action is going to guarantee you success in the recruiting game. It's much better to stack them on top of one another until you've created a, you know, a playing field that is slightly tilted in your favor. If that kind of makes sense. I couldn't, I couldn't agree more. I talked to my guys at length, the, the ones that have the opportunity, I think, in my opinion, to play at a high level. I sure. think it's, I think it's very important for them to go to um, an exposure camp that draws a couple hundred kids, because if you are among the top four or five kids, you've earned, you've earned your, your place at least in that, that area. And then I think it's sure. very, it's also very important. Like you said, if, if you work with me year round, but you have an opportunity to go work with someone in the Pacific Northwest because they have a connection with, you know, Stanford specialists or former Stanford specialists, I think you're, you're right. You have to, you have to not put your eggs in one basket. You ha- you, you can't rely that, Oh, well, I'm a, I don't want to name names, but I'm, I'm fully relying on X, Y, or Z for the, for the uh, competition and ranking side. I have a five-star with such and such, and we're going to roll with him. I don't like that mindset. I, I think that that should be a huge part of your resume, you know, because there's only a few, but I think sure. that I think there's so many other tools that need to be utilized in order to make what you want to have happen or give yourself, like you said, a better chance. And mm-hmm. the unfortunate truth is, you know, there's only 30, sometimes 40, 45 schools in a, in a calendar year that need a kicker and in, in, in the level you want to play at. So it's not, people look at 131 FBS teams. Well, there's never 131 that are in need of anything. Uh, so I love what you said. We're gonna, yeah. Oh, and, go ahead. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah. No, go ahead. Well, I, I yeah, just before I know you got to do your sponsor thing, but um, yeah, I mean, like we know kid, I mean, we've probably both worked with kids who have done all the camps and got a good ranking and whatnot, and then still kind of fell short of that, you know, marquee FBS goal. And then we've probably also worked with other kids who didn't do a single camp, walked on and tried out and 
found their way onto an SEC team. So I'm not saying that to discourage families or to make them, you know, disillusioned with the recruiting process, but the recruiting process is a lot more like poker. Um, even though it's a little bit, you know, even though there, there isn't, even though it's marketed like it's chess, like there's a clear right and wrong all the time. <laughs> no, yeah. You're so right. And, and I, I like, I love what you said too. And I, I promise we have to break, but the silver bullet is it's such a, I don't want to name names, but there's one recruiting platform, not related to kicking at all. They, they handle everything and they almost, you know, you, they give you levels and pricing for almost what's assured. And some mm-hmm. of the things, some of the things I see that are assured, I'm just like, that's impossible to assure that, but that's a whole nother story. Um, so we're going to break real quick. <laughs> Sounds good. It's time to make your outdoor experiences better with Canon. Canon sunglasses are exclusively polarized lenses for optimal clarity. They're made with Japanese optics that make their lenses clear, lighter, and stronger. Even better, their Italian handcrafted frames are impossible to scratch. Use the code CANONCAST15, I apologize, at Canon.com to receive 15% off your first pair. That's K-A-E-N-O-N-C-A-S-T-1-5. Canaan, clearly better. The fourth down focus podcast is brought to you by just live a trusted source for quality wellness CBD products to improve sleep, focus, and energy. Just live was founded by professional athletes, Clay Thompson, Alex Morgan, and Travis Pastrana. Right now, if you buy one of their gummy products, you get one free. There are six benefits to choose from. And instead of just choosing just one, visit justlive.com and use code support to buy one and get one free. That's buy one, get one free at justlive.com using code support. All right, back to the show. Brendan, uh, recruiting is ongoing and for specialists, it's often at the final hours you mentioned earlier in the show that they're going to receive this preferred walk-on or maybe even a scholarship, a partial. Uh, Only a handful of specialists each year have the option of signing early. Uh, And many of these quote-unquote five stars are lucky to receive a PWO, let alone a scholarship in the end. What is your opinion of the current state of recruiting of high school specialists and how can specialists be proactive in their recruiting process? Um, I think it's a mess <laughs> yeah. for, for lack of a better, for lack of a better term. Um, and this is more for specialists. Um, it's funny. I was talking to uh, one of the guys from QB country because um, they trained a kid at one of the schools that I coached kickers at drew pine out of Notre Dame. And I was asking him, I was like, is it, is it as crazy a recruiting, you know, scene for quarterbacks as it is for kickers. And he was like, no, not even close. And um, I, I think it's important to understand that even pre COVID, like there wasn't a whole lot of rhyme or reason, at least hourly to the recruiting process for specialists. Um Kickers, unfortunately, have this stereotype of coaches sitting down and saying, well, I don't know what I want, but I'll know it when I see it. And that's, you know, it's infinitely frustrating for families and kickers who kind of do know kicking and what's good and what's not, um, that there's almost this like laissez-faire, last minute, deprioritized approach uh, to recruiting specialists. Um, Even if the team really needs a kicker, they're and they're not looking at a scholarship kid. They're trying to get a preferred walk-on. It, it's still like the, the time that decisions are made are typically like, you know, November of your senior year, all the way up to like even April and that's pre COVID. Um, I think that the, 
the only strategic advantage that a family has in their corner and that will help them out is knowing what they want and planning and looking at recruiting and set it instead of as like kind of this mess outwardly there, there, there is a subtle structure to it, which can kind of help you make sense of things. So um, I look at college recruiting as online dating and like only creepy people say, I love you on the first date. (laughs) And so (laughs) it really, it's, it's it's odd, but um, bear, bear with the analogy for a second. So like, really things kick up like you're I would say ideally if I had a kid you know uh, blank slate pretty good kid projected FBS level kid um, I would say you want to get as good as possible and as strong as possible freshman and sophomore years do whatever you can do to be the best athlete possible then we'll get serious about recruiting um, from your sophomore so your sophomore year into your junior year summer that's when I would have you go to like actual college run specialist camps. Now these specialist camps are pretty affordable, but the quality of them is kind of all over the place. Some are really good. Some are really disorganized, but the principle is that you, you don't want the first time that you go to these college camps to be the time that really counts, which is your junior summer going into your senior year. That's when the coaches are really like looking hard at you with the clipboard and the stopwatch saying, is this really our guy? Um, I would ideally, I'd like to have a kid introduced to that type of an environment a year before. So they have kind of like a little practice run. You could go to five or even six of these college run, uh, specialist camps for the cost of maybe one big ranking camp. Um, that, that, that's how affordable these things are. Um, you know, typically most places are going to have you punt like 10 balls, kick off eight balls you know, kick 10 field goals from 15 and then maybe they'll do a big ball thing, but I'm being really generic, but the, the kicking aside, like if you're a good kicker, you'll hit a couple of good balls. But the real value of those camps is the, the time you get to schmooze with the coaches, you know, re- remember they're stuck with you for four years too. So you want to make sure you have a decent personality. They want to see your demeanor. They want to see how you talk. They want to understand the questions that you ask them. Are you making eye contact? Did you have a firm handshake? Um, you want to walk away from that uh, sophomore summer into junior year camp with a business card or with a coach's name who will answer you when you follow up with them at the end of your junior year. So, uh, so that's date number one. Okay. We talked, we liked each other. So the, the second date would be, so after September 1st, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, I'm sure you know a lot more about this than I do, but after September 1st, that is when uh, of your junior year, that's when college coaches can actually reach out to you and talk to you um, without being at a camp setting. So I would say once you've got your junior highlight tapes uh, together, um, I would have you reach back out to all those coaches that you made contact with over the summertime at those camps. And you say, Hey coach, I'm not sure what your recruiting situation might be like for my graduating class, but here's my most recent tape. Here's my highlights. Here's my academic information. I'd really love to learn more about any potential junior days you have coming up. And, and that's, and then you just kind of send those out until you get a response from those coaches. Then you want to get on the radar for a junior day. Junior day is, you know, for lack of a better term, and it's a, it's the laid back athletic open house, which means that the football team is interested in recruiting you. It doesn't mean you're on the team yet, but you'll probably get a cool graphic out of it. It'll probably be a virtual uh, meeting or whatever for your parents and yourself. Maybe they'll go back to in-person. 
I can't hear you. Uh oh. Oh, can you? Oh, can you hear I, me now? Yeah. All right, you can keep going, and I'll connect it. If you can continue, like kind of with what you just said, I'll just cut, cut that part out. Yeah. Sorry, I think I hit a button by accident. My bad, coach. Um. So the the next key date would be going to one of those junior days. Um. So you'd reach back out to all of the coaches that you had made initial contact with during the summertime, uh, going in from your sophomore year to your junior year. You get a cool graphic for attending one of the junior days you tweet that out you just say hey thanks for having me syracuse or brown or something then other coaches will start to see that you are wanted that you're being pursued and then once you get you can kind of attest to this but once you get like the first two or three schools to show interest in you it's a lot easier to get the you know a couple more on board as well um that's the second date the junior day the third date is you know be you know saying staying in touch with those coaches from the junior day up to the summer uh recruiting camp when it really counts from your junior year into your senior year that's when the coaches are going to say okay we like this junior tape we want to see what he's like in person um you want to perform well enough at that summer camp to stay on their list of guys into the fall you then send them your mid-season highlight tapes maybe they'll invite you up for a recruiting visit and then you're looking at decision time from basically November of your senior year all the way to uh, spring. So uh, that was a really long-winded answer, but th that's kind of the subtle structure beneath a lot of the, the chaos. You know, it does. You, you, it's a little bit easier to think of your recruiting in terms of like hitting these certain benchmarks and dates um, rather than trying to do everything all at once. No, I I love what you said. Uh, my takeaway for sure. Uh, that I couldn't agree with more is what you said at first ninth, 10th grade years should be where you're finding your best self on the field. You're finding your form. You're going to get advice from several different people. Go seek out instruction from as many people as you can who are qualified. Uh, and I think what kicking is it's crazy. If you're in the right state, there's, there's a dozen guys that know what they're doing, you know? Um, and if I was that age again, and in Florida, I, I would have loved to have gone and see, like sought the instruction of like several qualified people. I was, I was only able to go periodically to see people who come, you know, in the summers and like sometimes in the spring, but it's crazy how much kicking has grown this, this community. But yeah, I really do. I see, the, I think the importance um, with the recruiting, it really it doesn't pop, doesn't happen until, you know, halfway through sophomore, you know, start of junior year. Um, and hopefully you can get it figured out by the end of your senior year, but sometimes it's to the very end. Uh, I have one last question, a little easier one for you, but I'm, I'm just curious. Um, in your 10 years, I think you've been doing this for 10 plus years, helping out specialists. What are some traits the very best specialists have shared? Um, that's a good, great question. I think the, the, the number one trait would be they love to compete. I mean, it, it's, yeah, like outwardly, like if you're on a team and there's two or three kickers, the illusion is that you're, you're battling these other guys for the spot. But, but really, like your opponent as a kicker is always yourself. Um, you know, when you're on the field with guys like John Carney um, or like Steven Goskowski or Youngway Koo, you know, those guys can, it, 
just everything they do, there's like an intentionality to it. Um, it it's funny, like I uh, there was a, some camp a couple of years ago, and there was high school kids, college kids, and there was a couple, there was like one or two pro guys um, that were all helping out, and uh, the 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 high school kids warmed up for like two minutes. The middle school kids didn't warm up at all. The college kids warmed up for about twenty minutes, and the NFL guys warmed up for about fifty minutes before before they even touched the ball so like it, it's you know it's and i'm sure you see this too like there's definitely a difference in the discipline of a college kid versus a high school kid but i think there's there's a level of intentionality like uh this most pros are, and most college guys they're not just going out to chuck you know 30 balls through the post they, they usually have some type of goal that they're working on um and whether it's with your kicking coach or you're by yourself um, you know, I, I think it's really easy to go down that rabbit hole of, of working on too many techniques, uh, at once. Um, you know, I, I would much rather, uh, and I see that the best specialists do this They They typically work on one or two very, very small things, but their sole focus is to do those one or two very small things exceptionally well. And this trust that that's going to make everything else better for just for that day. Um, th- those would be the, they love to compete. And they have some level of intentionality with all everything they do. Couldn't agree more. It's funny you say that. Like I recalling like what they do off the field. Sometimes you know in the summers we we would have a number of them. It, I used to work for one on one kicking, and a lot of those boys would come to uh, one of our two day events. And it was like when we were in the cafeteria at some random college, uh, they would make games up with straws and napkins and you know it'd be like a tower making contest and they would take it seriously like it would get to a point where they would they would really get upset if they didn't win you know so I just I I think it's funny you say that and I also think yeah like with with compartmentalization and training I I really like to stress that even with the high school kids if, if you feel like this is your number one flaw and it's a recurring issue it should be your number one focus for that day and it should be your only focus some days uh, so I, I love what you said. And I, I, I got that those behaviors from watching excellent people, you know, chase greatness. It's, it's sure. It's, and I, I, I mean, I, I really enjoyed you today. Uh, thank you again for coming on. Uh, could you share with the audience? Um, obviously, you know, you're on Twitter, which I, which I follow you on, but any ways that you would like people to, uh, to reach out? Yeah, I think, uh, well, thanks for having me on. It's, it's, it's fun. Like, uh, you know, but, uh, enjoy connecting with your audience you know anything i can do to help you guys out please let me know um yeah twitter is definitely the best way you know shoot me a dm um if you want to check out the podcast um that's cool too we've got some some cool guests coming up but um but yeah i mean i, I think uh yeah that's probably the best way to, to get in touch and and just kind of to go back to something you said there's a, i don't know if you ever read jim collins he's a pretty well-known business author but he um i'm sorry gary gary keller but anyway the the quote goes um you know if you don't know what to work on ask yourself like what's the one thing that if i did it well would make everything else easier just for today if it it was and so like when you're working with a young player like okay like if we just could get him to hit the ball off the right part of his foot 
we got an 80% chance of the ball going straight and for him to like turn his day around. Um, I, I think like asking yourself questions like that, it's, it's really hard to become your own coach as a kicker, but really like, you know, when you're on the field by yourself, you are. Um, so I think like learning how to ask questions like that, I, I was curious, do you have like a couple minutes to maybe let me self- selfishly ask you a couple of questions? Yeah, absolutely. I think, yeah, go ahead. Why not? Let's do it. Yeah. So I, I'm always curious, like what, um, like, like how did, how did kicking find you? Um, like, I'm sure you weren't, you didn't grow up in like middle school, like dreaming of being an NFL kicker per se. We all want to be the quarterbacks, but it, it always seems like kicking tends to like bump into us before we find it. Um, so, so what's your like super secret background story? It's actually kind of interesting. Uh, it's something I don't talk about at all, but I probably should. My dad was Sebastian Janikowski's soccer coach at the club level. Sebastian was over in the Tampa area. We grew up in Daytona. And my dad convinced him to come to Seabreeze High School, where I was going to go to high school. Sebastian was four. He was a senior when I was a freshman. I got to play one year of soccer with him. I gave him like 35 assists. He scored 67 or 68 goals that year, which was a Florida State record. But, you know, but then I got to kick with him too. Like he, when I played with him, he's like, Hey man, he's like, I'm only doing this for a year. I think he he had no idea what was going on, you know, but he was unbelievable. And it I had no idea either. You know, I I had no reference. It was my first experience in football and they're like, here, you're going to kick with Sebastian Janikowski. I'm like, okay, cool. This guy's got a really strong leg, but never did I realize that as long as I've been around this game that I've never seen anything like that since. I think that helped me a lot when I had to compete because I never really was intimidated because he, he kicked my butt for so many, you know, not years, but that year he kicked my butt in everything, soccer, football. Um, but it made me better, you know? Mm-hmm. And, and what was it, I guess, when you, you know, when you're, what, what do you think is the, the number one thing that like most kids get wrong about kicking when they, they first jump into it? Hmm. Wow. All right. I'm going to try to make it make sense of it. I think it's like golf. It's like basketball. It's I think it's like a lot of things that we see. We see pros on television executing in these really critical moments. And we, we all realize like, man, that's that's got to be tough to do. But it's the execution that's important. I think it almost seems simple when they're doing something sometimes. Like if you look at golf, like a difficult putt or, you know, that first drive off the first tee you know, on national television, like that's hard to execute well. And, and, and they make it look simple, but I think it's the, the endless hours of being meticulous. And like you, you've mentioned on the show earlier is like, you've got to self critique and you've got to seek instruction. You've got to, you've got to utilize any possible resource you can to analyze yourself and your performance, your process, whatever it is you're talking about, that's going to be the end result. Like, am I going to get this job? Am I going to, am I going to be the kicker here? Uh, I think that everyone has to realize that you've got to pay the price. There's really no way around it. And and do you, I mean, like coaching's fun, obviously, but there's definitely like hard moments too. Um, what is it about coaching that you find most enjoyable? Like, like where do you get the most like fulfillment from as a coach? Oh man, obviously. <laughs> I obviously really enjoy seeing a kid go from, high school all the way to, to a Sunday and I've only had a couple and all these years doing it, but I'll be, I'll be honest. Like th- that's, that's really neat. 
but I, I think that the reason why I've fallen in love with it more and more is not because of that. I think that it's most definitely the kids that I, I can tell they need this, you know, uh, from, for many reasons, like they football has brought, brought opportunities in, in, in other directions too. Um, and I was a catalyst and I think that that makes, it makes me feel really good. I don't give myself a lot of credit. I'm actually probably my hardest critic, but um, that does make me feel good uh, to a point where I, got, I have to go tell my wife like, Hey, so-and-so he got that offer. He got the opportunity. Um, right. You know? And, and what, and the last question, and that, yeah, it's a pretty like ambiguous question, but like what's football for? Like, like what is a kid going to learn? I guess maybe kicking since that's what we're doing. So what, what, what is a kid going to learn from kicking that they're just not going to find anywhere else on the planet in their life? Oh, for me, cause you know, I'm, I'm immersed in it and it's what I do on a daily basis. But for me, it is a way to, to bring out so much more than the technique. You know, it's about like punctuality right away. If you're late, if you're on time, I, I, you know, because I, I encourage, like you said earlier, you have to warm up, right? We have to keep you, you know, you have to be sustainable. You have, we, we have to maintain. Um, so if you're on time and then you take 25 minutes to, to do your process to, to be ready and I have another client in an hour and now 35 minutes, that's selfish on so many levels. Uh, and I, you know, I've lost clients because of it. Um, I have high expectations. If, if, if my kids can't show me that respect, even after I like, you know, kindly remind them, um, it's probably not a good indicator to me that they're going to do it at the next level. Um, I learned that that the hard way I used to just take on a lot more people because I wanted to say, Oh yeah, I work with all these, all these guys, you know, but my practice is different now because I realize that um, it's, it's more important to be a good human being first. The kicker will come much easier if you're a good human. Nice. Awesome. Well, I've commandeered your show long enough, but I appreciate you taking the time to, to answer those questions i figure your listeners are used to you asking the questions but uh didn't uh you know they might want to hear what you have to say once in a while so awesome yeah. well thanks for having me appreciate it yeah i might they might yell at me because I, I think i have a 45 minute deal but i like what you did what i'll do is i'm gonna send <laughs> i'm gonna send you this whole audio file but i might just okay. do another, i might use that as a whole nother bit that you just you and i went off on a tangent but i might just say hey on another night this is what brendan cahill asked me on a on a topic but no, I appreciate you doing that. Like I, you, you, and that's, I love your questions, man. It's like, Ooh, <laughs> you go, right. All right. Well, um, no, those are good. Uh, so let me, let me read this before I hit stop record and then I'll edit later. All right. So uh, where am I? Yeah. Please give us a like, subscribe to the show and share it with a friend. If you have questions related to the podcast, suggestions for future topics or guests, or if you have feedback for the show, you can reach me, Dan Lundy, several ways. My website, fourthdownu.com, has endless resources for specialists. On social media, I'm on Instagram and Twitter at fourthdownu. And on Facebook and LinkedIn, you can find me by searching at Dan space L-U-N-D-Y. Thanks again for joining us at Fourth Down Focus, brought to you by Bet Online. We'll see you next week with an exciting new guest. I hope 21 is reach, treating each of you well. And remember, in all things, give thanks.